Our text this morning is our gospel reading. It's uh, the one that Pastor read to you a moment ago from Matthew chapter 16. Dear friends in Christ, what a joy to be with you here this morning. Thank you, Pastor, for the invitation to be part of your Mission Fest weekend. Uh, it's, a, it's a real privilege for me to be here, especially this time of the year uh, when the new school year is, is getting underway. The announcements, you heard them this morning, next Tuesday for St. Lawrence Lutheran School. Everything's back in action. My own grandchildren, we live near them down in Austin, Texas. They've already been back at it for about a week and a half. And I know that I've seen on social media postings of pictures of kids and grandkids on the first day of school already elevated, you know, to a new grade level. Uh, and they just grow up so, so fast. Uh, there are some places, I suppose, maybe even around here, that wait to get rolling uh, until after Labor Day. If, if my memory serves, that's the way we did it when I was a kid back in the day. You know, back in the day when we as kids had to walk two miles to school and home again, uphill in, in both directions, uh, whether it was a blizzard or not. Memory tends to exaggerate things a little bit. But in any event, this is a time of year when, when summer vacation is fading into memories and the daily routine for so many people becomes driven by that academic calendar. Personally, I'm still getting used to a, a life without the school year as my norm. Uh, my mom, I think I remember her taking me to preschool. I was only four years old at the time. After that, I was enrolled as a student in one place or another. I went back and counted up for the next 33 years, right? Takes some of us a little longer, I guess. But uh, anyway, at the end of all of that, uh, I was already teaching at Concordia, Wisconsin. I was a history professor for a few years and then spent another 24 years as, as a college president. In other words... For most of my life, late August has always signaled that familiar start of the school year feeling. And what a joy and what a privilege it is to be here at St. Lawrence this weekend to bring a, a mission-focused message. It's not going to come as a surprise to you, though, that, that given my long-standing relationship to schools, that I'm going to place particular emphasis in this message on Christian education. Pop quiz. Doesn't that, I mean, doesn't that phrase send just a little bit of a shiver down your spine, right? Pop quiz. You didn't come here to church this morning expecting to be put on the spot, and I know you're hoping that I'm not actually serious. So for the moment, I'm just going to leave you hanging in suspense. As a student myself, I never liked the idea of a pop quiz. It was enough to get ready for a test even when you had time to prepare. To expect me to do well on something without any advanced preparation seemed like that was just unfairly harsh. Similarly, I was appreh apprehensive about a teacher who might raise a question and then simply call on any student, maybe one at random, or, or, or a student who didn't even have his or her hand up in the air for a response. I was one of those students who learned that the technique of avoiding eye contact in that situation, hoping that the quiz master would call on some other unfortunate classmate instead of me. Didn't always work. Pop quiz. In fact, it's not me, but St. Matthew in our gospel reading today, 
who presents us this scenario. Admittedly, what the gospel writer describes is, is not your conventional classroom. It's more like recess or maybe a field trip because the, the teacher and his disciples are walking along when a bit out of the blue, he grills them with the first of a two-part question. The first part is kind of a softball. Jesus lobs them a little bit of a warm-up for what would follow. So he asks, who do the people say the Son of Man is? What's everybody else saying? It doesn't appear that there was any particular right or wrong answer that he was expecting. He just wanted his students to offer their observations. Not long before this time, a couple chapters before this in Matthew's Gospel, they were with Jesus in his hometown where he was teaching in the synagogue among people who had known him for a long time. And they asked Where did he get his wisdom and these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Aren't his sisters here with us? Where did this man get all of these things? And to their comments, Jesus replied, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own hometown and in his own home. Disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? Some say a prophet. (laughs) The disciples offered like Jeremiah or Elijah. Some say a prophet even if he was a prophet without honor in his own hometown. Some say John the Baptist. They also answered. Again, no wrong answered, but this one seemed kind of a curious reply. John the Baptist? I mean, the same John the Baptist who had only recently been beheaded by Herod the Tetrarch? Well, Indeed, it was Herod himself who, upon hearing the extraordinary reports about Jesus, said this to his attendants. This guy is John the Baptist. (laughs) He's risen from the dead. That's why his miraculous powers are at work in him. Some say John the Baptist. Herod did. Others say prophets, even if he was a prophet without honor in his own hometown. So, okay. Don't you get the feeling that the first of this two-part question was, was just kind of an icebreaker, though? Maybe a conversation starter just to see if the disciples were, were observing what was going on round and about them. Whatever the impetus for this pedagogical technique, the teacher spends no time discussing the response to part A of the oral exam. No time at all. Instead, he jumps immediately to what became the real point of this teaching moment. What about you? Who do you say that I am? Suddenly, this feels less like a pop quiz and more like a a comprehensive exam, right? So you've been paying attention to what others have been saying. That's all well and good. Let's get down to business. What do you say? All right, disciples, you've been with the teacher for a while, hearing what he's taught, watching all the things that he's done, and finally it put all on the line, and and he puts you on the spot. How about you? What do you say? No averting eye contact with Jesus. Who do you say that I am? So yes, as a matter of fact, the question is placed before you. 
You were perhaps expecting to just come and listen, much as you always do, without facing a pop quiz or a, or a comprehensive exam or, or a moment of truth, dare I say, however you may wish to describe this rather easy but not so simple question. And we could have, I suppose, spent all of our time discussing what others say about Jesus or about his church and the increasingly challenging circumstances that followers of Jesus are experiencing in our culture. And that would be very interesting, right? Who do the people say that Jesus is? But that's not the point of our text. And it's not the point of this message. And I know we could also jump ahead a little bit in that text and, and think about Peter's answer and maybe even copy his reply. And I think technically that wouldn't even be cheating. But the question as Jesus frames it to his disciples that day and to those of us who are here on this day is meant to be much more personally penetrating. More searingly soul searching. Because you friends, you have also been with the teacher for a while. And you've been hearing about what he taught and, and all of the things that he did. And now he puts all of that on the line and he puts you on the spot. How about you? What do you say? Who do you say that Jesus is? I wish I could make eye contact with every one of you right now. Wish I could let you just sit kind of in awkward silence for a moment as you answer that question for yourself. No, as you answer that question for Jesus. Who do you say that he is? In your words, not just cribbing off of Peter. Who do you say that he is? This really is a comprehensive exam because... The answer does completely matter. This is a moment of truth. And if, like Peter, you confess that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the, the Messiah, the promised Savior, well, blessed are you. If, as St. Paul says elsewhere, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Blessed are you. Your conscience, I know, might convict you of guilt. Others may frequently mock your faith. The enemy will relentlessly tempt you to doubt. But nothing will ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Never. That's a good answer. Did you get it? Do you get it? If, like Peter, you believe and confess, well, Jesus reminds you and me this morning that we did not arrive at that conclusion all by ourselves. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, the rock from which you are hewn, as Isaiah puts it in our Old Testament reading. No one says Jesus is Lord, the Scripture teaches, except by the Holy Spirit. Who do you say that Jesus is? If you confess with your lips that he is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you have been taught this by God. By the God who saves you. So give credit where it's due. You have been taught by God. Blessed are you, but to God be the glory.
I think it's probably safe to say and for me to assume, given the great tradition of this church and this community, that many of you, maybe most of you, have been taught by God right here in this place. <laughs> in this Christian church and in, in your Christian school or maybe another one like it. When I was a kid in school, back in the old days, some day after Labor Day, walking uphill two miles to get there in the blizzard, my wonderful public school teachers, they taught me many things, many wonderful things for which I remain so very grateful. But they never told me about Jesus. Never. Nothing. And in my loving and, and very caring but unchurched family, we enjoyed a truly happy home, but we didn't ever talk about Jesus. Never. Nothing. And had that question been to me at that time, who do you say that Jesus is? I probably would not have had a clue. Perhaps like many, many people all around us today. And by contrast, though, the family that lived right next door sent their five sons, including my very best friend in all the world, uh, to the Lutheran school, to Bethlehem Lutheran School. And there they learned lots of wonderful things too. And their, their Christian teachers also taught them about Jesus. And when it came time a little later for me to go to college, I was grateful and I remain eternally grateful to those same friends and neighbors who helped me find my way to a Lutheran college. And then the Holy Spirit, working through Christian faculty and other students, helped with the next step. I was taught, not by mere flesh and blood, I was taught by God and by the grace of God, I believed. And led by the Holy Spirit, I, I confessed, as Peter did, that Jesus is the Lord. And Lutheran schools, like those and like yours, are instruments in helping us to believe and teach and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is the Savior of the world. Lutheran schools are God's gift to us. The Holy Spirit calls and gathers and enlightens young and old through this church and your school. And every single day, your children will be taught about Jesus. And they will learn that he is much more than, than just a teacher or even a mere prophet. That he is the son of God. That he is the savior of the world. And every single day they will learn that Jesus is not merely a good role model or mainly a good moral example for them to emulate. Though he is certainly that. He is so much more than that. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He takes away our sin. Yours, mine, our guilt, our shame. And in your St. Lawrence Lutheran school, your children are shaped and they are formed and they are fashioned into tools that the Holy Spirit will use sometimes to reach others in far away places and sometimes to reach the unchurched neighborhood kid who lives right next door. People who, like me, will be eternally grateful. And our children and our grandchildren 
will also face tests, as we all do. Some of them probably unexpected. Some of them might be quite severe. Our response to the question Jesus posed to his disciples as they walked along the road to Caesarea Philippi, our response to that question is going to go a long way in projecting how we will fare on the rest of our life tests. Because the gospel this morning brings us to that moment of truth. And this time, this morning, this setting, sort of relaxed, kind of comfortable. And nobody here is going to push you too hard to hear your thoughts, to hear what you have to say about the answer to that question. I'm not going to. But not every test or every moment of truth will be so easy. And who will Jesus be for you in that moment? In that moment of trial and testing, in that instant of doubt and despair? Who is Jesus for you in that awkward moment when not you, but God seems to be the one who is silent? Our Christian schools and Christian teachers help us to get ready for those tests. They help us get ready for lots of stuff, right? For the next unit, for the next grade level, for, for high school, for college, for the workforce. Praise God for all of that. But praise God also for the time that he takes to teach us this blessed truth about Jesus. And praise God that he uses us to reach others with the same hope that fills us. Thank you for letting me be here today. Think out loud with you a little bit about the beginning of a school year. You know, I'm enjoying retirements well enough. It is a little too hot in Texas this summer. But otherwise, I'm enjoying retirement. But what I really celebrate right now is what I know is going on around this place, at your church and in your school. That Jesus is teaching new disciples through Jesus-loving teachers. That the Holy Spirit is moving through Holy Spirit-filled followers. Blessed are you, St. Lawrence. Blessed are you for the churches at work here. And nothing will ever prevail against that. Nothing. Not ever. In Jesus' name, amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto everlasting life. Amen.